find Psalm 1. Psalm 1. <clears throat> We've been walking through, on Sunday mornings, been walking through the um, Sermon on the Mount, and um, it talks about in the Beatitudes, blessed is he or blessed are they. And we're talking about the blessing of God, and then he's talking about in the, the bulk of the the message, he's talking about what it means to walk under the authority of God's word, to, to walk as salt and light, to live radically different uh, in the world and to experience the presence of God in our lives and to, to live in such a way that, that we live an exceeding or surpassing righteousness. Uh, one that, that when people see our lives and see how we live, they observe our good deeds, and they glorify the Father who is in heaven. And, and so we are to, we're to do good things, and we're to live radically different. We're to, we're to live so much, is it more different? So much more different than the world. I guess that sounds right now. It didn't sound right in my head. Um, so much more different than the world that the world takes notice. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus said. People should take notice of the radical difference in the way you live. Now, there are a lot of people who do a lot of, of, of good things. And there's a lot of people that have more resources to do bigger good things than you and I can. But still, their good things aren't done in such a way that bring honor to God. So you don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to have a lot of resources. You just have to have a lot of love. That's what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings. And, and so as I've been uh, reading through this, preparing for these different uh, Sunday morning series, uh, just some things God has been bringing to my mind and, and things that, that God's been leading me to different passages. And this is actually the passage I, I was intending to preach last Sunday night when God changed that around to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, talking about the love and, and defining the love with which we're supposed to live uh, that, that makes it different or creates a surpassing righteousness. But as I was uh, preparing in this series, and, and, and I just kind of read across uh, in my own quiet time this, this psalm, it, it kind of answered the question, why bother? Why should we live radically different? Why should we um, um, live under the authority of God's word? Why should we strive for a surpassing or an exceeding righteousness. Why can't we just be good people? I mean, and, and that's what the church is kind of settled on. Well, let's just be good people. And most parents, even Christian parents, we just want to raise children that are good people. But we're setting the bar way too low. Because that's what every parent, I say every parent, the majority of parents, some parents just don't care, but the majority of parents want their kids to be good people. But the Bible says if we're to be Christ followers and, and parents, it's our responsibility to teach our children what it looks like to be a Christ follower, what it, what it looks like to live in exceeding righteousness or surpassing righteousness. Why bother? Why radical difference? Um, and the reason I, I keep that, that word keeps popping up or that definition, that description keeps popping up in my mind. I was, Rand and I were coming home yesterday, and she doesn't even know about this. We were coming home from Hattiesburg last, uh, last night, and 
we stopped in Hattiesburg to get gas. Well, I had on my Oak Grove t-shirt on the back. It says, love God, love people, live radically different. And I'm standing in line to, to, to pay for my, my, her soda and my water. And, and uh, I'm just standing there, you know, and we're at our six feet apart. And everybody's got their masks on and all that stuff. And um, so I, I pay for what I've got, and I turn around to leave, and the guy points at my shirt, and he just gives me that, you know. Awesome, you know. Somebody, somebody sees that. Somebody agrees with that. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. But it's the radical difference, I think, that caught his eye. Love God, love people, live radically different. And, and that's what we're called to do. So why bother, okay? Well, as I read across... Psalm 1, it was a great reminder of the difference that God makes in our life if we will let him, okay? So if you will stand with me, we're going to begin in verse 1. It's only six verses, so we're going to read through it. Then we're going to go back and just kind of break it down, parse it out as we, we normally do. But as we're reading through it, I want you to just kind of look and let God answer the question, why bother, Okay? How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. The wicked are not so. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You may be seated. He begins, it can either be a statement or a question, how blessed, how blessed is the man? In other words, he, he's, he's, he's kind of laying the groundwork. He's talking about the, the supernatural blessing of God. Who is the one that is blessed? How blessed is the man? How, how miraculously blessed are the people of God? It's, he's, he's sort of asking a question, but he's also laying the groundwork. I mean, it's, this whole beginning is loaded with all kinds of possibilities. But he says, how blessed is the man. And he, and he doesn't start with positive things. He starts with the negatives. How blessed is the man who does not. Okay? And sometimes we need, we need to hear about the negative things. I mean, as the church, oftentimes we, we, and we, we preach really good about God's love and, and heaven. And we talk about his grace and his mercy. And all those things are wonderful. But, but God is also judgment. And God is also um, jealous. And God will judge sinners. So, so he, he begins with the negative. How blessed is the man who does not. And we like the does not part. Well, I don't do those things, okay? As long as I don't do these things, I'm okay. But there's negatives. And then he goes to the positives, the alternative. We've got to do something. Okay? We've got to live some way. We're going to live some way. It says, how blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, remember when you see the word walk, he's not talking about just strolling down the road. In other words, 
how blessed is the one who, whose life is not governed by the counsel of the wicked. He doesn't do life according to the counsel or the wisdom of this world. He says, how blessed is the man who avoids the counsel of the wicked, who lives his life by a different standard than the standards of this world, the wisdom of this world. So if we want to be blessed supernaturally, if we want the, the power of God, the presence of God, the favor of God on us, the psalmist says, then we can't walk in the counsel of the wicked. We can't live our life according to the ways of this world. And man, we, we've got way too many people. Like, I tried it for a while in my own life. I wanted, I wanted God. I wanted the favor of God. I wanted the blessing of God. But I wanted to live life like I wanted to live it. I wanted to do things my way. I wanted to do things what I thought was right and, and what I thought was the best way. And I wanted to, to be the authority in my life. Man, it, it's, it's a struggle when you see your children doing the same thing. Because you, you, you want to tell them, look, hey, I've been there, done that. It don't work out well. But, but they've got to learn on their own. And so you do like my mom did. You just pray. You just pray and, and leave room for the Holy Spirit to work, you know. Um, that's one of the, the, the beautiful things uh, I really appreciate about my mom um, and my dad. Um, and, and I'm trying to emulate that in my own life and, and have been trying to, is um, try and live what you know is right and, to, and, and teach what you know is right, but don't preach at your kids, you know. There comes a point where your kids know what's right and wrong, and you just got to pray for them and let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit and don't try and be Him. Okay? And that, that's kind of kind of where I'm, I'm settling in. It's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do. Uh, but only God can change the heart, and only God can open the eyes to the, to the waywardness and the, 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 the problems that, that, that being your own boss brings. They said, if you want to be blessed, if you want to experience the favor of God, if you want to experience the presence, the power of God in your life, he said, you cannot walk in the counsel of the wicked. You can't live life like the world and think God is going to bless you or bless your relationships or bless the things that you're trying to accomplish, to bless the things that you want to do. It doesn't work that way. God's not going to bless what he's called sin. God's not going to bless what he said is wrong. He's not going to make you successful in things. You may be successful in the world's eyes, and you may experience some success temporarily. But there's going to be a time where things begin to crash around you. Things begin to unravel, and things begin to fall apart. Why? Because you're walking in a way that is not honoring God. I can say that emphatically because I have been there. Okay? And so... The psalmist says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And we need to remind people, we need to remind our children, God will not bless what he said is sin. You can't pray for God's favor and God's help and God's blessing when you know you're, you're walking out from under his authority. He just will not do it. So he says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of 
of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. Now that word path uh, is, is um, the manner, the, the ways that the, the sinner would go. All right? There's the, the path of the sinner and the path of the righteous. And the, you, you can't walk in the ways or the manner or the path that sinners walk. You can't go where sinners are going and expect God to be with you. He's there, but he's not there in blessing. He's not there in honor. He's not there uh, in support and encouragement. He's not there in provision. He's not there uh, to, uh, to keep his promises to you. He'll be there to convict you. He'll be there to pick you up when you fall. He'll be there when you call in repentance. But he will not be there in blessing. He'll be gracious because he's always gracious. And you'll not... Ex it's a fine line. Because there's a lot of times I know I was walking outside of God's will, but he was so gracious to me. He, was, he, he should have stricken me dead. But he didn't, and that's an act of grace. But he sure didn't bless me with his favor either. And so if we're going to live our life according to the counsel of the wicked, if we're going to walk in the ways of the sinners, if we're going to live like a sinner, we shouldn't expect God to bless us or to bless our endeavors. Nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Sit in the seat or the place where we know we're not doing what God wants us to do, but we're just shaking our fist at him, thumbing our nose at him. Say, God, I know this is not right, but by golly, I'm liking it. To sit in the seat of scoffers. The, the scoffer is the one who says, God's not real. God, God, God doesn't care. God's The way we scoff at God... Oh, God's grace is going to cover it. That's how we scoff most of the time. We take his grace for granted. And we sit there and say, well, God loves me. God's not going to hold this. God's grace is going to cover all this. So I can just do what I want to. That's scoffing at God. And so he says, don't expect the blessing of God. Don't expect the favor of God. Don't expect the, the supernatural power of God in your life that he wants to bestow upon you. Don't expect those things when you're living a life of a sinner. Don't expect the blessing of God when we're living like hell. It just doesn't work that way. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to, to be gracefully blunt here. Okay? But people who are asking you to pray for them when they know they're living outside the will of God and, and ask God to bless them and ask God to, 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 to provide for them, ask God to have favor on them, the, what we need to do is we need to tell them, look, I'm going to pray for you. But I'm going to pray biblically for you, first of all, that God will get hold of your heart and, and, and he will break your heart over the sin that you know you're in. I'm going to pray that God will open your eyes to the reality, the judgment you're placing yourself under. You know this is wrong because most of them will say, I know, it's, I know it's, I'm not doing right, but will you pray for me? Yeah, I'll pray that God will open your heart and break your heart. 
I'm hoping that God will get you to the point where you have no way to look but up at him. Yeah, I'm going to pray for you. But the most loving thing I can pray for you is that God's conviction and the Holy Spirit will weigh so heavy on you, you can't sleep at night. That you have no peace, no joy, until you come back to the one you know that loves you and died for you. And submit to him. That's the most loving prayer we can give somebody at that time. Because God cannot bless open rebellion. And so he said, how blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of scoffers, nor sit in the seat of the ungodly. But the one who is blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Delight in the word of God. Delight in the authority of God over his life. His delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the the authority of God over him. Now, what does it mean to delight? Does that mean you just kind of like it? Eh, you know, I don't mind reading. (laughs) I don't mind sitting through a sermon every once in a while. No, the delight... Your delight, your joy, your, your fulfillment, your hope, your, your passion is in the law of God, the word of God, and the authority of God over your life. It's not just that I, I like going to church, I like sitting through a sermon, I love hearing a good sermon. No, I want, to, I want to surrender to what God is saying. That's the delight of the law of the Lord. The law of God is the authority of God in our life. And we've got to find joy in the submission to God's word and his authority over us. And so therefore we walk in his counsel, not the counsel of the wicked. We stand in the path of his righteousness and and we follow his will and his way for our life, not the way of the world, not the way of sinners. We find joy and that's our, our passion is to live rightly to have that surpassing righteousness to have the the favor of god in our life we've got to walk under his authority god will not bless what he has called sin he is patient and he is kind he is gracious but he cannot bless what he's called sin so so why bother because i want the favor of god i want the blessing of god I want the the power of God. I want the promises of God. And the only way I can expect those is when his authority over my life is my delight. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. I think about it. I dwell on it. Why? So that I might not sin against thee. I meditate on it. I, I think about it. I dwell on it. I, 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 I consider it before I speak. I consider it before I respond. I consider it before I choose what to do or what not to do. Because it's the authority over my life. It's the guiding principles for my life. I delight in the authority of God in my life and I meditate on it so I don't sin against him so I stay on the right path and I know what's right and what's wrong. I know what to do and what not to do. I know what to say and what not to say. I know how to act and how not to act. Why? Because God said this is what is right. Now the result. 
when we don't live according to the world, but we live under the authority of God's Word, this is what we can expect. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. Anytime in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, you, talk, you, you hear oftentimes this metaphor of, uh, of strength and righteousness as a tree. A tree planted by waters. Uh, uh, one whose roots are deep. Not a shrub, not, not a garden plant, but a tree. Its roots run deep and it, it, it provides shade. It grows big and strong. This, this metaphor of strength and productivity. He says he's like a tree that's planted by waters, rivers of waters, which yields its fruit in season. It means it's consistently productive. Just, just from experience, and most of you have experienced this too, you know when you know what to do and you don't do it, when you, when you know what God, God's Word says, but yet we want to be our own authority, we live under our own authority, I may be productive for a little while. Things may go well for a little while. But eventually the bottom's going to fall out. Eventually the wheels are going to come off. Eventually it's going to become a train wreck. So I can, I, can, I can fake it for a little while. But God's not going to let me be productive for long. And the rails are going to come off. and the, Man, it's just going to be a mess my life, my relationships, whatever area, maybe all of it, addictions, all those things. So he says, we're going to be like a tree. And what kind of tree is this that's planted by these waters? It produces its fruit in season. Not just one season, not for a couple seasons, but every time there's supposed to be produce, every time it's supposed to be productive, it's consistently productive. It's going to do what it's supposed to do every time it's supposed to do it. And when we live under the authority of God's Word, and it becomes the delight of our heart, then when we're supposed to do right, guess what? It's natural to do right. When, when that, when that um, uh, question or that, that crisis of faith comes up, we've got the tools, we've got the ability to go through that crisis and come out on the other side victorious over sin. To overcome and to, to pass the test. We're consistently productive. It yields, or excuse me, it yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Now, what happens when, when, when you've got plants or trees and, and there's not much rain? The leaves shrivel. The first thing you do is they start dropping leaves. If they've started producing fruit, they start dropping the fruit because they're trying to survive. They're, 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 they're losing the excess. Well, here he's talking about a, a tree that's planted beside waters, these, these continual waters that in this stream, and, and so its, it's leaf never withers. It's well supplied all the time. I've, I've been to Africa on several occasions. And sometimes you're, you're riding along and, and you're in this really arid land and it's really, everything's brown and everything's dry, but somewhere you, in this valley you see trees that are just green 
and, and, and full of leaves when everything else is dying. The shrubs are, are not doing well. The grass is all brown and dead. But the trees, man, they're big and green and beautiful and look like they got plenty. But there's no water because everything else is dying. Why do they have green leaves? Why do they look so well supplied for when everything else is dying? Because their roots run deep. And it gets down to the water that nothing else can get to. And see, that's the picture. When we live under the authority of God, no matter what's going on around us, it may look desolate. It may look like there is nothing. But we will be green. We will be well supplied by waters that the world doesn't know about. We will... God will make a way where it doesn't seem like there's a way. God will provide when it doesn't seem like there's provision. God's promises will be ours. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about where you're going to live. All these things God has promised to supply if we will make the word of God the delight of our heart. We'll live under his authority. So we'll be like a tree that's planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit, will be consistently productive, whose leaf does not wither, will be well supplied, even when it doesn't seem like there's any supply. And in whatever he does, he prospers. Be successful. The promise of God, the, the provision of God, the, the, the reason we want to live under God's authority, the reason we want to uh, have this, this uh, exceeding righteousness, why does it matter? Because all of God's promises are bound up in the fact that we live under his authority. He will bless us when we're living for him. That doesn't mean we're always perfect. doesn't mean we always get it right. But our goal, our passion, the 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 descriptive character of our life is that we walk with God. And whatever we do, we'll prosper, we'll be successful. So these are the, the promises, these are the things that the psalmist says we can expect when we walk with the Lord. If we want to be blessed and we make the, the law of God the delight of our heart, we live under his authority is what that means, and we, we stay focused on that day and night, we can expect to be consistently productive we can be well supplied and we can expect to be successful in all that we do does that mean i can do whatever i want to no <laughs> we're outside of god's will now we're living for ourselves be successful in all we do when we're living under god's authority we're going to be doing what god wants us to do and he will make us successful now does that mean we're going to have all the cars plenty of money all the nice house all that kind of stuff that's not success He'll provide what we need, and in righteousness, we will succeed. In sharing the gospel, we will succeed. We, this exceeding righteousness, this surpassing righteousness, we will succeed. Verse 4, he goes back to the wicked. He says, but the wicked are not so. They're like the chaff which the wind drives away. The chaff is the outer covering. It's not the, the meat of the... The, the rice or the wheat, it's just the outer covering. It's beat off of it. It, it has no root. It has no supply anymore. And, and it just blows away. James 1, 5 through 8 talks about that as, as Christians. says, look, if you lack wisdom, pray and ask the Lord. And the one, he who supplies abundantly will give wisdom. But if you, if you um, don't ask, 
uh, you're not going to receive. And, and if you ask doubting, God's not going to answer your prayers because you're like the, the water or the, the waves on the surface of the water. Whatever way the wind blows is the way you go. So if you're double-minded, if you're not sure, if you're kind of in but kind of out, you're riding the fence, you want, God, you want heaven but you want to be your own boss, he said, don't expect God's blessing. He says, if your delight is in the law of the Lord, then he will be there for, there for you. Verse 5 says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Reminds us of James chapter 4. You say you believe in the Lord? Believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. So, but faith without works is dead. Do you think that kind of faith is going to save you from the judgment? We say we believe in God, but we live like we don't. We say we, we want to go to heaven, but we live like hell while we're here. We say we, wanna, we want God to bless us, but we don't want to live under his authority. We want to live the way we want to live. Do you think we're going to be able to stand in the judgment? Do you think that kind of faith is going to save us from the wrath of God? James says, oh no, <laughs> you foolish fellow. Don't you understand that faith that doesn't transform dead therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous he's talking about in heaven where is all the righteous going to be assembled in heaven he's not talking about church because there's a lot of unrighteous people filling churches there's even some unrighteous pastors preaching he's talking about heaven when you live outside and not under the authority of God, when his word is not the delight and the guiding principles of your life, when you know what to do and yet you rebel and you live life, life as if God doesn't exist and judgment's not going to happen, he says you will not stand in the assembly of the righteous. You're not going to get past judgment. There is not going to be a heaven for you. Obedience is not an option. Now, I know you think, well, this is Old Testament. Jesus taught the same thing. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Obedience is not an option. And so part of, of, of loving people and, and the reason why we want to live this exceeding righteousness, why we want to strive to live under the authority and live so radically different like Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount is because obedience matters. And the blessing of God only comes when we surrender our heart and our life to him. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Here again, hear me. It doesn't mean we're perfect. But when we know we're sinning and we know we're doing wrong, we must repent. God is not going to let his children live in sin and be happy with it. He's not going to bless what, he, what we know is sin. And if our sin doesn't bother us enough to repent, if it doesn't bother us enough to, to strive to do differently, the Bible says 
We're not saved. And it breaks my heart for some people in my own family. Now, there's a difference in a season. There's a difference in a, in a, 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 a short time. But when it's a lifetime, how blessed is the one whose delight is in the Lord, the law of the Lord, and who meditates on it day and night. If we're going to experience the blessing of God, if we're going to experience the favor of God, if we're going to experience the, the dwelling place of God, we must live under the authority of God. That's, only, that's, 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 that's the only thing that true salvation produces. So let's pray. Let's pray for those that are struggling in this. Just like my mama prayed for me. And when they ask us to pray for them, let's, let's be honest. Let's love them enough to be honest. I'm going to pray for you. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to pray for. Because this is what matters. And until you get right with God, you cannot expect God to bless you and, be, and to honor you and to guide you and to provide for you. The promises of God cannot be yours. So let's, let's, let's live this way and let's, let's encourage others to live this way. Let's, let's, let's share the whole truth and not just the feel-good truth. But again, I can't answer, will not answer for anyone else but me. So what you and I have got to focus on is how am I living? Is, the, is my delight in the law of the Lord and the authority of God over my life? Am I, am I surrendering to His Word and His will and His ways? Am I meditating on it day and night and let it, letting it impact and infect and infiltrate every aspect of my life? Then I will be living radically different. Then I will have that surpassing righteousness. Then the people I'm trying to witness to, the people that are wanting me to pray for them, the people that I share the truth with, my life will match up. And it'll have more of an impact. Let's live for the glory of God. That's why, that's why it's so important that we live a surpassing righteousness. Let's pray.